0: And welcome to the first off-season edition of the Turn Up For What podcast. It's a marathon, not a sprint, but we'll do our best to get you through it as we'll be joined by a friend from Kirby Drive as we'll be looking ahead to free agency, the draft, and how this Texas team's shaping up for 2020 football. Let's get it. And joining us this week on the Turn Up for What podcast is our one of our favourite Texas media people, Drew Dority. How you doing? I'm great, man. How you been? Good, good. Thanks. Been a while since I've seen you. I think the last time was uh, the Players Show at uh, Rockers, which I'd recommend to anybody if you can get along. Go do it. It was a lot of fun.
1: I know that was a good time, and uh, when you get you back at that one of those uh, next year, it's going to be a going to be a fun season in 2020, I think.
0: Well, that's it. So you've been with the Texans
1: what now since two thousand nine? Two thousand nine. I started at the end of training camp, so I got to miss all of uh, the hot stuff in August outside, and I got to start right before the regular season. And yeah, so I'm coming up on season number twelve with the team, and I'm looking forward to it. And so it's season ten for me now. So uh,
0: I think it seems like there's been so many different. Well, I think there's been two. <laughs> Two different expressions of the Houston Texans we've seen, uh, but there's been a couple of different uh, interesting ones in between. If you had two memories, one off-field and one on-field, what stands out in that 12-year span? Gosh, uh,
1: you know, the, the very first time they clinched a playoff spot, you know, back in 2011, I'm, I'm in my office right now and I'm looking at the picture of Kevin Walter catching the touchdown from T.D. Yates, in cincinnati against the bengals you know they they trailed in that game for all but two seconds and it was the final two seconds of the game that they didn't trail and that's all that mattered but um yeah you know, that, that was just kind of an improbable season because schaub went down and then Linert went down tj yates came in he was a rookie in the fifth round didn't really have any business being in the games but he was he was thrust into that situation and Got a couple wins out of him and then got a playoff win out of him and fought the Ravens tooth and nail in the playoff game uh, but just couldn't didn't have enough firepower to, to get past him. But that was, that was the on-field memory that kind of has stuck out to me the most, just watching that drive from the field um, and seeing them score and just kind of the elation and everything there. And as far as off the field, um, I'd probably have to say being at the draft in 2017 in Philadelphia, Texans were picking in the 20s, and uh, we had settled in. Me and Jay McDevitt and uh, Tyler Sutter, we were getting ready to cover the draft and kind of had a few hours. And then we were in this uh, this like big holding room. It was, it was almost like a a massive tent, and there's probably about 500 journalists in there. And uh, that was about 30 seconds ahead of the TV, uh, so everybody's watching on ESPN or NFL Network, and over the loudspeakers, the Texans have made a trade. They're now on the clock. They've swapped out with Cleveland. And so we knew they were going after a quarterback, and we knew they were going to get Deshaun Watson, and we were pretty excited. And then you know, he went up. He was introduced on stage by uh, Goodell, and he came right back off stage, and we were one of the first people that he met from the organization. And I had a microphone, I said, Hey, Deshaun, welcome to Texans. Let's put this microphone on. And he he put it on and we followed him the rest of the night and saw him uh, do all the interviews, do the press conferences, and meet with people. And it was a really good first impression. You could tell he was somebody that uh, he had an it factor and had a leadership factor. And you're wondering, well, is it going to carry over to the NFL after all the great stuff you'd seen on the field? And it it certainly has and certainly did.
0: Yeah, I think that's the move that Rick Smith made that's changed the trajectory of his franchise, isn't it? And I think it's given. Oh, them a, absolutely.
1: Yeah. A it was move, Brilliant enough. move. Brilliant move. Yeah. A, a great, great trade up and great pick for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the price that they paid, you know, retrospectively versus some of the other ones, you know, with golf and, uh, and a couple of other moves up to the top of the board, it was, re- it was pretty good value. And um, just to give, obviously they'd already sent in that second to, Cleveland for Osweiler, and then the uh, they, they traded the the first that year and the second next year. and It seemed you know like you do that trade a hundred times out of hundred. But uh, yeah, I think Watson definitely has. I think for me, the I suppose just being you know so far away from it all. You know at, at times I think if kind of if I kind of split it into often or, or being there live and not. I think the, the 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 moment that Watson came alive was when we were in Seattle and uh, that game was just one of the you know craziest end-to-end shootout games that i've ever seen and, it sure and, uh, was i think that it was crazy and uh yeah and i think it was that and then i think the the uh probably the the moment that that uh that Watt announced himself in the playoffs i think for me watching that live and here uh the pick six against the bengals i think we've seen to have some good uh good uh memories against the bengals but um but yeah that well, was great mm-hmm. And i think it's just those there kind of experience and stuff that that uh they make it all worthwhile, and I think you saw the, the reach of this team uh, this season and the uh, trip to London. I know you were over there, Drew. How would you sum up the experience?
1: Oh, I, I was so lucky! I, I was so very lucky because the team came over two days before the, the game, they got there Friday mid afternoon. But I got to come and I, I got there on Tuesday morning because they wanted to kind of get you know a lay of the land and see what was going on, and they knew there were a lot of fans that were going to make a trip ahead of time, and we we value our fans. We love our fans. We wouldn't be here without our fans. And so we wanted to kind of feature what was going on. And so I got there Tuesday afternoon and uh, we hit the ground running, covering stuff. And we stayed, we're actually staying near the uh, the official pub of the, the Houston Texans, the Barrel Boy and Banker. And we got to go all over the city on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. And then Friday we, we met up with the team and we had done a tour with uh, some other folks, like the cheerleaders, they'd gotten there, A couple days before too but um, I was just so lucky because it's like you said the reach was really impressive I was being the youngest team in the NFL I was kind of wondering well I wonder I I knew fans that would travel but we'd also heard that well London was Jacksonville's second home Jacksonville Jaguar fans are all over London it's going to be great well once we got to the game it sure didn't seem like it was a London home team I mean it was like a college game, if anything, and Texans fans were loud, and they were the louder side, and they had a reason to be louder because they wound up throttling um, Jacksonville, but it was a kind of a close game through about three quarters, but I thought Texans fans really showed up. They showed out. They did such a great job, and they were having fun the whole week there. I mean, every time we ran into somebody from, from Houston or, or who, who was rooting for the Texans because they weren't all – all those fans were not just from Houston. They were like yourself – uh, there, we, 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 we talked to folks from Italy, from Germany, from Denmark, from Switzerland, from Spain, all over the place, all over Europe that read, come over for the game. And I, I just, I had such a fun time. I hope we get to come back to London or another part of Europe sometime soon. And I do think, and I know that the NFL wants to expand its international program. You know, they, they play the game in London, they play the game in Mexico city, but I'm sure they want to have games in Germany. I know eventually they want to get get into Asia, get into Australia, but um, I hope the Texans selfishly uh, get to play again over in Europe because I love going over there and I love traveling. And I just love seeing everybody and having such a fun time. And, you know, it was was a great, great memory and and one that I'll always, uh, you know, kind of hold close to me.
0: Yeah, I think it was – I think the one country you touched, Germany there, I think that's the one country that stood out as the most – uh, fans from anywhere else apart from the uk and mm-hmm. uh i think there's still a bit of kind of ill feeling there from the nfl europe days because you know american football to the, in is big and there's a great understanding for the game so a texans uh road game or more like you know, more likely road game in germany would gladly take it and obviously jacksonville we've got two games i don't think we'll probably go back this year but um but yeah i think you know any any of uh anything like that again i think you, you couldn't recommend enough to to, to go apart from the, I laughed at the the story of uh, Johnny Harris and Mark stuck in uh, a taxi for two hours in the traffic. Cause it was the, they couldn't believe that there was a place, uh, a place that's got worse traffic than Houston and it is it's called London. So. Yeah, no, I know.
1: I think about it often on my drive home because I guess in Houston terms, it's not bad, but there are days when traffic's backed up and it takes about an hour to get home. But even when that's the case, I always think, well, I'll be in London as far as traffic goes so yeah I'm not going to complain too much <laughs> gave me some perspective you know
0: <laughs> well yeah I think it showed you last night there was a musical awards in, um, in, uh, in uh, one of the one of the Rolling Stones was pictured getting public transport to get there, and he, he was asked why, and he said, "Because I don't want to wait in the traffic." So, <laughs> so <laughs> Smart, it tells yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a seasoned Londoner, uh, but uh, and Ronnie Wood, um, but yeah, no. So I think I mean the, the, the London game was was probably you know a great moment. I think that what I took took out of it was the players, and you saw Hopkins and guys like that, and in the stand taking pictures with the with the uh, with the with well, the fans at the end, and you could see that the. the the noise and the uh, and the and the amount that the fans were into the game it obviously bled onto the pitch and uh, or onto the field rather, and it was um, it was tangible and you could see. I've never seen players react like that in all the games I've been to.
1: Yeah, over and the he, last
0: ten years, they they felt it.
1: And He's a special case too because he has a real appreciation and a real love for soccer, and so he knows and, and understands the history of what's gone on in that building. Even if he doesn't know like you know, every result from. From England, playing there, he still knows it's a, kind of a, sort of a quote-unquote sacred place in terms of soccer stadiums. So he he liked being there. He loved being there, and then seeing the fans uh, that had traveled that were showing up and showing the love. He just he wanted to reciprocate it. He talked about it in the press conference after the game. It was it was pretty cool to see, and he he had a lot of fun. The rest of those guys had a lot of fun, and it's hard not to have a good time when you're just rolling a team the way you did uh that that day back in early November but yeah it was what a memorable experience the son Watson too I mean he was he was soaking it up afterwards as well and it was it was really really cool
0: yeah I think so I spoke to I spoke to DP on the sideline just as the players were coming off the field and uh it just yeah you just it just felt like a, a, a real kind of Sort of, it felt like a moment. I think last season had a lot of moments like that where you felt the momentum was building, yeah. And the team, were, you know, had the chance to do something. But it, that game was probably the most complete game that they played, defense and offense, and you know, really complementary football. And you think if you look at the highlights from last season, uh, whether it be New Orleans in week one, again probably one of the top five games in the league last year, the New England game on prime time, the the game that after I saw you when we drove up to Kansas City, and that was. That was a you know a, a special day. I know Mahomes was hurt, but the way they just throttled them, like you said in the in the second half, and just held the ball, you thought this team, if they can be consistent on offense, got something.
1: No doubt. Yeah, you're and you're right about the London game being I think the most complete all around because I mean defense really dominated, and they did that without JJ Watt. It was that first game without Watt, uh, and then the offense was able to put points on the board. So yeah. It, and it's it's just a shame because you had stuff like that. You had the other games that you reeled off, and it's a shame because the way the season ended, you know, nobody's happy uh, and nobody's satisfied because they, they're, it's like you're saying, they do think bigger things are to come and and are in store. So, yeah, it's it was a fun twenty eight twenty nineteen regular season, but um, you know, they, they want more in the years to come for sure.
0: Yeah, and and that's that's the thing. I think the what the. I think the thing that most fans would struggle with was just when the, the the gap between when the highs were high and the lows were low, and if you looked at the Denver game and the or the Carolina game, you know that everybody in the building probably wanted back. It just felt like getting that getting that automatic seed for the second year in a row was in touching distance, and the, and the irony of it all Kansas City going win it only because they get handed the second seed by Miami beating New England on the final day, and it felt like you know if we just had a one one or two of those could have been us and, you know, and taking that second seed.
1: No doubt. No doubt. And that's not, um, and that's not something that, that they, uh, they take lightly. They realize, you know, they, every game is so vitally important. There's no, you know, it's not like in the NBA, you know, there's no kind of throwaway games in November, or December, like there are in the NBA. I mean, you, you have got to, your September games matter just as much as your December games. So that's, it's like you say that, a Carolina Carolina loss really stings because you look at what Kyle Allen kind of turned into. He looked like looked like he had a future at, in the NFL when when you played him there, and he kind of came down to earth. And I guess the clock struck midnight, whatever cliche you want to use. So, yeah, they, they they've got to they've got to win eleven twelve games if they want to get that 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 buy locked up. That's that set, that uh, first or second seed locked up.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there might not be a second season. We'll come on to that in terms oh, no. of the, the, some, the, the noise from the CBA. Um, but yeah, I think with that, that the, the Carolina game particularly, I mean, Denver, you know, you can have bad days and a and game just ran away from you. But, the, you know, I think there was two, two ball, deep deep balls at in Hand. And if I think if you just had a connected one, I think it was one to, to Fuller and one to Hopkins. Even just one of those, mm-hmm. you'd probably win that game. And it just shows you the fine margins at, at this level and what it takes to... You know, to make a run in the playoffs, it's not easy, and you do need that slice of luck. But I think in terms of the twenty nineteen season, though, I think it will be remembered for you know, change in the front office and big trades. You know, obviously we look the departure of Jadavian Clowney, we brought in Duke Johnson, we brought in um, uh, we brought in Garan Connolly halfway through the season as we're searching for answers at corner. But I think the, obviously the biggest blockbuster trade that was only just to be sort of eclipsed by the Rams trade for Jalen Ramsey later in the season. Uh, you know, one. Well, one full season down. How do, how do we view the Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills? Don't forget uh, Trey, Trey with Miami.
1: Well, I like it because you've been searching since Dwayne Brown left for stability there at the left tackle spot, and you got it. You know, you traded for a guy who was a pro bowler, and he had played like a pro bowler before he got here, hadn't made it, but he made it this year. And I think if he cleans up the, the false starts, you're going to see him get all pro votes and, and maybe – uh, all pro consideration, but he he helped. You saw that the sack numbers drop quite by quite a bit uh, from 2018 to 2019. And I bet they go down lower next year because he's going to have a full offseason, OTAs, training camp, preseason with this offense. He got here for goodness sakes less than a week before the New Orleans game, and he was tossed out into the Superdome in week one. Performed admirably. And for the record, that's still the loudest environment I've been in, in the NFL. Uh, It was, I, when I got home that night, I had a headache from the noise and I I was trying to, like I didn't know why I had a headache. I was like, well, I've eaten enough. I'm not stressed out. Uh, I'm not sick. Oh, it's the noise. I've been in this deafening, you know, echo chamber for the last four hours. I mean, the way they were able to move the, the ball that night was really impressive. So because he he joined the team so late, I think there was a you know there were some hiccups throughout the season. I think those hiccups will will, will get trimmed in half, uh, in twenty nineteen or excuse twenty twenty and beyond.
0: And on a on a personal note, I think Laramie Tunso comes across as one of the most stylish. You know, in tune <laughs> guys. Uh, for an unoffensive lineman that completely defuncts the stereotype. How speaking to the um in the in the locker room or in the building, just what kind of character he is and and uh, what's he like as a guy? Because he seems he seems like he's got it all, all figured out.
1: Yeah, guy, he's he's a real smart guy. And pretty much all these guys are smart, but he's he's pretty darn sharp. And uh, you're right, he does have his own style. There's a lot of guys in the locker room that have their own style. When you got Deshaun Watson in there and DeAndre Hopkins in there getting the as far as uh, the fashion sense. But yeah, I, I'm glad he's a part of this team because you could see if you go back and I don't know. I don't know if many people have seen these videos just because when this happened, but the Pro Bowl in Orlando, he and, and Watson were there and you can see they did some interviews together and he's got his arm around Watson. You can tell they're just having a good time and that's his quarterback, which he said many, many times during the season and he's he's got a, a real appreciation for him but you can tell he's happy to be with that quarterback in this organization and in a spot where many many bright things uh, are possible and are likely to happen
0: yeah i thought it was quite nice to see that actually there was there was obviously a bit of a bond there and uh, you you can tell when when LT talks about Watson and uh, his admiration for him and his ability mm-hmm. to you know, to turn games i think that's you know a big, a big thing that you know you need that chemistry between your players, and that's not always there. And I think people take that for granted, but it's definitely there. But those two guys, both those guys, due to reset the market. Likely, do you think Drew get both get extensions done this off-season?
1: Yeah, you know I don't, I don't get into contract talk too much, but yeah, they, the Texans want them back. Bill O'Brien was upfront about it in the season-ending press conference. Don't know if they'll sign this year. It would make sense if they did. I know that they want they would like to get them. Uh, taken care of. If it's not this year, it's next year, but yeah, they love those two. They're cornerstones to everything you want to happen if you want to be successful down the line. So yeah, I mean, it would not surprise me in the least to see them um, get signed or or have something happen this off season. We'll know more, obviously in next Tuesday, that's when Bill O'Brien is speaking at the combine. he will have his press conference and it's gonna be the first time he's talked um, to the media since, that day after the season ended press conference. So going to be interesting to hear what happens because I mean, all this stuff is breaking. You and I are talking uh, at four o'clock central time on Thursday and just, you know, minutes ago, we heard the, the, the news about the CBA from the, the NFL side, we'll see what the, the NFL PA says. We'll see who else has gotten cut, you know, free agent wise around the league. Cause that's a, a big factor in all the stuff that he gets asked about. So There'll be some nuggets of information I'm sure that come out from, from O'Brien, but yeah, ultimately to answer your your question, I think Watson and and Tunsell are going to be back for sure.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's just those kind of guys, and Zach Cunningham falls into that category as well. I think think just so important for this team and cornerstones, blue blue chip pieces, if you like, that, you know, that you just can't let walk out, walk out the building. Obviously there's some, you know, there's a lot to be decided, but you know, and it it plagues them and it, it feels an injustice in many ways. I was in... NRG when uh, Fuller had his best game of the season last year. Three touchdowns against Atlanta. He looked electric. He should have probably had two in the in the week against Kansas City apart from a couple of yeah. drops. Um, if he can piece a 16-game season together healthy, how great could he be and how great could this offense be?
1: Well, you could go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm being dramatic no. saying that. No, no, if, yeah. if If he's there and he's playing the whole season, I mean... He just he opens so many things up. I mean, you saw it in the first half, first quarter, really, against Kansas City. We've seen it so many times throughout the history here, but or his history here. But he does just does so many different things. And loo- the main thing is he loosens up opposing defenses, like they they just cannot commit and stop one faction of the the the, uh, the Texans offense because you always got him there. And then now that you've added Duke Johnson and you still have Stills and you've got the greatest in the game and Hopkins makes it really tough. And then your quarterback can run and pop you with that. It just opens everything up. And yeah, I mean, I, if he's, if he is healthy, the sky's the limit, but he's got to stay healthy. And that's, that's something that's frustrated him. I know more than anybody else, because we, as you know Texans fans, it's, it's tough to see and the coaches I know it's tough, but nobody's, you know, agonizing more about it than he is. And, it's something that's weird because he didn't get hurt when he was at Notre Dame. He didn't get hurt in high school. It's just been something weird with his his hamstrings and his groin once he got to the NFL.
0: Yeah, I hope he can figure it out. I know it's been this will be he's uh he's fourth is it fourth year in the league? So I think it's 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 tough to see a guy like that because when you see him on the field, you know, live in front of your eyes, he is just electric and he's Uh-oh. got a gear that most players just don't have and. It just felt like a recurring theme last year. if oh, Fuller was on the field, we probably could have won this, you know. And it just it just feels like he's missing out, you know, potentially on on you know the 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 career he could earn. And the and, but I think he's well respected in the league, and you hear that around around the
1: uh, around oh, the league yeah. as well.
0: And I think oh, a, yeah, another
1: guy who, yeah, he's the defensive coordinators. They got they got oh, they got their hands their hands full when when you got to account for that guy for sure.
0: Yeah, that's right. And a, a guy who started the season on fire. Uh, and and kind of faded, but Doug Marone was effusive in his praise for him after. Actually, the London game was DJ Reader. Um, yeah. You know, a guy who was a late late round pick blossomed into something really kind of you know a, a serious force in the in the in the defense at the start of the season. Kind of faded a bit down the stretch, but I think that was just a strain on the losing wall and and. Um, Maybe not having as many pieces as there, but talk about you know uh, DJ Reader's growth and just you know him and the affiliation him and JJ have got together and what a, a player he became for a late round pick.
1: Yeah, and you know JJ Watt's been talking about him and praising him for the last three years and has really been high on what he can do and what he brings. To that defense does a lot of the dirty work, uh, but still can still can make an impact a lot of times in those tackles. Just takes up space. The good ones they'll they'll just take up space and just take up lockers, so the other guys can eat. And DJ Reader could do that, but he also could penetrate and make plays on his own as well, which made him kind of a plus, you know, interior defender on the line. And you you can't label him as just a nose tackle because he plays defensive end a little bit in certain situations. They move him around, but yeah, he's been a, a good part of this defense, a, a, a chess piece in this defense. And you saw, you know, JJ Watt tweeting about. You know, the, about about DJ yesterday when he congratulated Brandon Dunn and then he kind of threw in and, you know, now let's do DJ reader next. So it'll be tough. That's yeah. one of the tough things about the salary cap. You know, it's, there's, there's only so much money to go around and, um, you know, he's, he's a valuable commodity. And I know there are other teams that are going to, going to put, put a high value on him for sure.
0: Yeah, I think so. And it would be a shame to see him go. It seems like that might be the case. Uh, you just never know, as you said. At this time of year, we just saw Everson Griffin. It looks like he's voided the last uh, year of his contract. Mm-hmm. He's going to hit the market. The situation is just so fluid as we uh, as we as the combines around the corner. So we'll see. I think the 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 big thing I think is is getting consistency. I think for this team because you want to you want to. You know, particularly in offense, you want to have the the same five guys up front to build that chemistry. You want to have the same guys out and, uh, you know, out wide. and And what will happen? The running back in the tight end position. I don't know. We've invested a lot in that in that tight end position. Um, and i, I is it is it going to be a turn to the to the young guys to take over? Drew, because certainly Jordan Thomas looked exciting year one. Atkins blossoming a player and Kahali wearing could be the wild card of the pack.
1: Yeah, it's a great question because. The Texans, you know, they spent a pretty premium pick on Waring last year. There are a lot of good players available in that third round, and they went the tight end route, which made a few people scratch their heads because they had Fells in the in the building, and nobody knew Fells was going to, you know, catch nine touchdowns last year. But they also had the two Jordans, like you mentioned. But from what I saw of Waring in rookie mini camp, which I know it's shorts and t-shirts, and from what I saw of him in training camp when he went up to green Bay and in one of those first practices kind of shredded their secondary, it's pretty exciting. And when you see, when I saw that and when I heard about his athletic background and saw how he was a water polo player, a really good basketball player, he kind of picked up football late in life. It's pretty tantalizing what he might be able to do. Now it's tough when you miss your rookie season because you're, you're kind of behind the eight ball and you're set back a bit, but there's a lot of talent there. Now I don't know how much we're going to get to see of him this year, but it could be really good because he's a fascinating prospect, and I know Jordan. The two Jordans are going to do some nice things as well. Remains to be seen whether the Texans will bring Fells back. He had a great year. It's tough to walk away from a guy who you know, had all that production in the in the red zone and the end zone like he did.
0: Yeah, it's hard to find. Red Red's on production. The windows are so much smaller. Uh, the ball's got to come out quick, and he's a big target. And that basket, that basketball background was clear just the way. Yeah. It was almost it was almost a bit Andrew Johnson like how he just boxed players out and and use these body to get open rather than you know any you know speed or mm-hmm. or uh, you know any just you know just beating them by the route running. It was just sheer sheer size, particularly that one, and and. Uh, energy against the uh, Atlanta late on where he just held the ball high above the above big brother yeah. it, yeah, totally it, like it was something out of the schoolyard so yeah it's going to be hard there's so many hard decisions for this team in the front office to make and uh, obviously chris olsen has departed the there's a lot of work to be done and, and it's it's going to be you know interesting time you got bradley Roby as well who i think a lot of the guys in the locker room would like to see him back again it was one of those ones you felt like last season he was just Really rounded into form, and then he went out with a hamstring injury. Came back and was probably, you know, MVP against uh, on the defense. Certainly that night against New England. And what do you think? What do you think of, of Roby Drew? And what do you think of that night in New England, which was pretty special?
1: What a, yeah, what a night! I mean, he had the the interception. He almost had another one, and then he, you know, that same drive when the the interception got called off. He got the sack. Uh, yeah, huge evening. He he also shut down. Everything they wanted to do, throwing the ball out of the backfield. And he was just he was a monster that night. He 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 was outstanding. Darnier had a pick six in the, the playoff win here against Buffalo in the first half, but just couldn't hold on to the ball. He he was great this year. He he was definitely what the Texans needed because you you'd lost some uh some health there in the in the secondary at corner and he really stabilized things at that corner spot. Uh Goes back to like what I just said about DJ Reader, as far as remains to be seen. We'll see uh, what the Texans do free agent wise because you brought it up earlier in the conversation, the stuff about Watson, the stuff about Tunsil. Yes, the Texans have a lot of money under the salary cap, but you got to know that a lot of that money is going to get factored into signing those two guys, and you know what happens with the rest of it. It's got to be parceled out.
0: Yeah, that's right, and I think so yep. it's was the window, isn't it? When you got to pay the quarterback, yeah, the complexion and the shape of your salary cap just changes entirely. So no doubt. Yeah. That'll be managed. It's it's a tough job, <laughs> certainly. No doubt. And, uh, and staying on the defense, true. I think the obviously it's been a bit of a change of identity over the last sort of, well, year and probably two years of being a defensive led team. Uh, and then now it's really been, become an offensive led team, all the investment in the trades primarily went into the offense, but down the stretch, you know, that it was definitely a unit who's who's been more dominant in the past than what Texans fans have been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And with Anthony Weaver coming in, obviously know him as a player, uh, what will it be like as a coordinator? What do you think, sort of, type of defense has he got to run and where is he going to look to, to input to O'Brien and co, how to improve the unit?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. He obviously has been around here for a few years. As a coach, he cut his teeth under Rex Ryan, who... Uh, you know, he played for him in Baltimore for a little bit. So he, you got to expect a little bit and some influence from the, the Rex Ryan train of thought. But um, as far as Anthony goes, being around him in the building, he's he's great. You know, I could see him being a head coach someday, and he's got a real positive attitude. I know his defensive linemen love playing for him. They love the meeting room uh, and what he brings to it and how he runs it, the way he challenges them, the, uh, the smart manner in, in how he does it. The creative ways in which he teaches the defense, so I'm very excited to see what it's like seeing him get this step up because I'm pretty optimistic in what he'll do, and and I'm also happy that Romeo Cornell staying around uh, because that sort of wisdom, that sort of knowledge is always good to have on your side, and you know I think he's he's done a great job here as the defensive coordinator. I'm glad he's glad he's, uh, you know going to be around.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's going to be yeah. He just you don't know he might have his own ideas and. You know, many of the great coaches take take the best bits from everybody they've worked with. So what can will sure. mean, run out? I don't know. It looks like Ed Rusher. Uh way to generate pressures out with, you know, if what if what's fully healthy and merciless, you know, he's he struggled probably struggled at times without, you know, but trying to be the number one, but he's, he's back again and he's a he's a great number two uh, mm-hmm. in, in a pass rush as part of a tandem. So Prove that prove the edge and uh and and we'll see. But there's a lot of young players coming back, and you know total wild card and Duke Edger for and right. You know year two and year two of Chuck Amenu, and he's got his former college coach joining him as well.
1: No doubt, and don't forget uh, Jacob Martin. You know we haven't we haven't yeah. seen everything. I think we've seen from from what Jacob Martin can be, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh fascinated by that. And I think you will also see the Texans go into the draft and look for a pass rusher. I think. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me to see them pick up somebody defensive line-wise and free agency uh, to try and get after the quarterback. Yet something that, that definitely needs to get better because it, it just was – the pass rush was not able to get home and make a difference in the loss at Kansas City. And you're going to have to tangle with these guys for a while now. I mean, Patrick Mahomes playing the way he plays, they're going to be a problem for everybody in the NFL, and you can't let him get comfortable. You've got to make him run around and, and do some things although he does things yeah, great on the run too, but you want to want to get after him because you were able to get after him and able to, uh, to mess with him in the win. And I know he was injured, but still you, the guy you just brought up on knocked not the ball loose, had a strip sack and, and, and help kind of cause some havoc in the win at this, uh, Kansas city in October.
0: Yeah. That was probably one of the most underrated big plays of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. stripping the ball and then B Mac recovers and then you get a score and, Think we're 14 down. There's a seven, I think it was 17 3 at one point, and you went in the half and uh in the lead, you couldn't quite believe it. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done on, on that defense to try and get it to a place that can complement an offense, uh, to be consistent. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a free agency around the corner, but also we've got the combine, uh, Drew, which you know you're obviously attending as, as always. Talk us through the indie experience. I've been in Indianapolis a couple of years ago. It's a very small, compact sort of central downtown area. Mm-hmm. The NFL effectively takes it over for for a week and some. Uh, what's that yep. like? Just with everybody, every
1: figure in the league, all in one place. Well, you just said it. Everybody in the NFL is right there, and they're all on the top of each other. You see. I mean, you're walking from your hotel to uh, the convention center where the media is, and you yeah you know, you're just walking by Andy Reid and there's uh there's John Gruden working the room. I mean, everybody is is there, as far as coaches, as far as GMs, scouts. It's a lot of fun. It's it's kind of like, a, it's almost like a mini family reunion of sort of a massive family reunion every year. And you see all these people that you you've got to be buddies with through the combine, through the Senior Bowl, the Pro Bowl. You know, as far as that goes, and it's just it's really going to be interesting to see what the Texans wind up doing in the draft. But combine wise. It's great. We'll leave on Monday and uh, we'll come back Wednesday, Thursday in the middle of the week. But we get a lot of a lot of content uh, just in those few days that we're there. We we'll, we'll hear from Bill O'Brien on Tuesday, which is the main reason we go we'll talk to some prospects. too, but This is a good chance to, to mine information from from O'Brien. You know, we can't wait. And plus, we get a good steak dinner uh, on Monday night. When we're there. So that'll be fun
0: yeah that's it's pretty uh pretty good pretty set for steakhouses downtown and <laughs> in india i think and I think at this stage you you must be at the stage now drew where you're starting to see the faces of the scouts that you've not seen all year been you know tr- clocking up many miles trying to you know uncover the the next the next talent from the small school or wherever that might be and uh, have you started seeing those guys reappear in the building just as the the team gets its draft board set
1: oh yeah they've been in the building now for a week and a half two weeks uh their days are long. They're they're very busy. Most of them, if not all of them, will be in Indianapolis this weekend before we get there, and they'll stay long after we leave. You know, they'll, they'll be there the whole week. But it's a chance to get in front of these these prospects and these players and talk to them a little bit more, learn a little bit more about their personality, see how they might fit or not fit in the locker room. So, going to be a uh, an important week. But a lot of the work is already done on these guys. The biggest thing that, that comes out of the combine is the medical evaluations that you get, you know, stuff will pop up about, you know, broken bones and feet and knees and, you know, heart conditions and stuff like that, that it never sees the light of day come draft time. And, and guys that you thought, well, why didn't he go higher? A lot of times it's because of a medical something or other that it doesn't get released because of HIPAA loss and you don't know about it, but you know, the guy just doesn't wind up getting on the field because of stuff. So the medical stuff is the, the key to the week in Indianapolis, along with the interviews.
0: Yeah, you saw that last year with, uh, with Taylor that went to, went to the Jags in the end. Uh the- right tackle he, mm-hmm. he fell unexpectedly so yeah there's always there's always more than meets the eye with this you think i would you know you've got to think by now as you said drew the, the boards are pretty much set and this is just an extra data point to maybe you know grade between two closely graded players yep. that they've kind of built a, built a dossier and over the years so how much of actually is it you know narrowing down prospects and grades or is it you know unofficially of course um how much of free agency is uh is intimated with some backroom conversations you think before but on the uh in draft and, and for you know pre uh during the combine uh, all the agents are in town obviously with their next prospects do you think the free agency's, uh wheels are already turning
1: well you know it wouldn't sur- it wouldn't surprise me if, if that's the case i mean there <laughs> there's uh there's always a lot of chit chat going on for sure yeah
0: <laughs> that's it yeah i think you've got to you've got to get a feeling for what's going on in the league and i think that's the time to do it and help you yeah uh, and uh, shape your strategy. So, Drew, um, of, we're talking about draft class here. What is the what do you think is, is? I think I know the answer to this, but what's the best draft class you've seen in your time in Houston?
1: Best draft class in my time. Oh, that's a good question. The, the Texans have had, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. well, you know, I think the first year I got here, 09, that was a pretty darn good one because you got Cushing and he was rookie of the year. Your second rounder was Connor Barwin, and he wound up wound up getting you know, double digit sacks his third year in, in '11. And then you had Glover Quinn, who, in hindsight, you never should have let him go when he hit free agency. You got Ed Reed, and it just didn't work out. And when you could, you could add Glover Quinn, and Glover Quinn wound up picking off about twenty-five passes in his career, which is six more than than Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson had. So you had Glover Quinn in there. Uh, James Casey, I think, was somebody that was a very productive guy. Who I don't know that James ever really found his role. I think he probably could have done more in the NFL. I, I just don't know that teams really figured out how to use him the right way. Um, but I thought that that was a pretty darn good draft class. And then two undrafted free agents who who did some pretty good things, and I count them in that rookie class. Tim Jameson, he was a defensive lineman. He played a few years here, and then some guy named Arian Foster was he was pretty darn good, wasn't he? He did some good things. The running back, so <laughs> yeah, and he's he's one of the the signature faces for this Texans offense over the last, you know, in the history of the franchise, best running back you ever saw. So I got to go with that first Oh nine. That's my, um, that's my favorite draft class.
0: Yeah. It's tough to beat. I think It'd probably be my very close second favorite moment of watching the Texans was uh, on the roads in Dallas uh, in Arian Foster that day. I think it was 2014. Uh, um, yeah. Fitzpatrick. Uh, the atmosphere was incredible it was probably sure was. Like 50 you know it was for at least 45 50% texans in there uh-huh. and, uh and and the way foster used to glide over the field he didn't even look like he was he was he was going that quick but he just seemed to find a way against uh, against dbs and, and and linemen and linebackers and he was right. he was great to watch wasn't he i think you 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 never know if, if if this off season to be trying to get a marquee running back i don't know it's hard to hard to do that perhaps not free agency but seems to be a lot of good ones in the draft coming out this year because you know when you've got a good guy there's a bell cow who is just that extra level and carlos hay did a great job last year but he was great to watch have you got any memories of that game in dallas i know i've heard you talk about it a few times uh, with Johnny Harris and Mark and stuff like that before. I think it was a real it was a real kind of uh, moment for me. I thought, I'm going to have to keep coming back for this.
1: Oh, yeah. That, that 14 game was awesome. That was like a college game. Uh, you mentioned 40, 40%, 45%. I mean, it was so loud for the home team. I mean, Tony Romo talked about how they had to go to a silent count. And you're starting to see more of that across the league. Um, you know, road fans coming in and making it louder for uh, for home teams, just because of the way – secondary ticket market has has kind of opened up but that's like that's another subject for another time but anyways uh yeah that that Cowboys game went to overtime uh it was so close Des Bryant was covered perfectly by Jonathan Joseph and Des Bryant just made a play you know he, he came up with it at the end and they were able to kick the field goal but yeah what a magnificent afternoon Texans luckily four years later won the overtime game here against the Cowboys and that's uh that's the last time we beat them, and that's the last time we played them. So that was good.
0: Yeah, I was there for that. I think that was one of the nights that you thought it just it looked like we should have been so far ahead by halftime, uh-huh. and then it ends up got it ends up going to overtime, and you thought I think we're gonna we might drop this one when we were the the clear clear better team or clearly yeah. the better team.
1: Yeah.
0: It was. A, it was a good yeah. It was a good one, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so many memories watching this team. I think, and it's so. Uh, 2020 shaping up nicely, I think, and that's that's uh, that's for sure. So we just we touched earlier on uh, Drew just finally on the on the CBA looking like uh, obviously there was the statement came out which just saw an email there just before we jumped on 17 game schedule uh, potentially. I've seen also talk of a neutral venue, uh, and additional teams in the playoffs. What do you think of it? Because you and I've heard you talk about this before. You see these guys in the building and the impact it takes on their bodies. How do you think? Feasible. Russell okun has been very vocal about it. Um, about not not being in favor. We'll find out if the the NFLPA is. But what do you think of firstly the seventeen game schedule and then impact on these guys'
1: bodies? Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, every NFL game, every NFL snap is very very trying. So yeah, we, we'll see how how this all shakes out. You know, it's I'm always I'm always very hesitant to to talk about what I think is going to happen just this early in the process because I do still think it's pretty early in the process. And, um, but I, yeah, I'm not going to dispute how, how how rigorous the game is and how, how tough it is and and what a toll it can take. So yeah, it's, it'll be fascinating to see what shakes out, but it's good that there's perhaps progress because you don't want to see what you saw in 2011, as far as a lockout, you want guys in the building. And I know there there weren't any games that were missed back in, in 2011, but, it was a really uncertain time in March in April in June and the bulk of July, you know, there was a real fear that you you might miss games. or might not be stuff to do. And and that affects a lot of people. Uh, and and you don't, don't want to see anything like that happen again. So I think that's a positive that a year ahead of time, they're already, um, very talk of negotiation like this and, and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, it's good, I think. I think the NFL were, were, you know, determined to make it happen in the 100th year or into next year. Uh, but yeah, I think. how And how weird was 2011 as a lockout year?
1: Weird. I mean, just incredibly odd. You know, we had to, from the content side of thing, it was, things, it was just really tough to, it, it we made it work, but it was just kind of tough to, to get stuff up because nothing was going on and guys, you couldn't talk to them. We were not allowed to talk to them and they weren't in the building and they weren't around. And, uh, it was just, it was not much fun. So I, I welcome negotiation. I welcome, uh, these guys figuring this out before, you know, it gets to a point that, uh, you don't want it to get to. Yeah, that's right. I think the uncertainty
0: is good for nobody. There's so many, you know, it's parallel industries and, you know, people that, Make a living out of this game so you think uh it's not good for anybody we'll wait and see it looks like it's at advanced stage considering we've still got a year to go um, yeah but yeah it's a good time and and hopefully we'll see um and just very lastly have you seen any of the xfl houston roughnecks very sort of oilers-esque but uh uh-huh. seen little segments of it but what do you, what do you make of the xfl it seems like a slight difference in quality from the the, the previous WAF, but uh, but nonetheless, I think the Houston's, it looks like it's got the most, at that level, and we got the most exciting quarterback in, a, in some summer football, which is uh, in, in, uh, and Houston's welcomed.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm all for more football and, and more people getting a chance and it's, it's been fun to see them do so well and uh, I hope it keeps up. Title game, I hope they're playing a home title game uh, that day after the draft wraps up here and in, uh, in April. I, I, it's been fun to see. It's, it's been really cool. And there's a couple guys, there's a Texan, a former Texan on every single NF XFL roster. And yet Charles James is one of my all time favorite Texans playing here locally. So that's been cool to see. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. I, I've, I've been a fan of it.
0: Yeah. Charles James, great character, hard knock star. And uh-huh. I don't think we'll ever forget, forget the Thursday night game beating Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. he had a whale of a game that night, uh, tj yates again but uh we could probably go on forever uh, drew so i'll uh, thank you very thank you very much for your time and joining us on the turn up for what podcast uh talking Texans from the great british isles we'll definitely need to have you on again sir thank you for your time
1: hey i really appreciate you having me on man i'm always happy to talk
0: And that's all we've got time for this week on the Turn Up for What podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks to Drew for his time in talking some Texans football in this long old offseason. We'll be back in the next couple of weeks to start talking draft and free agency as that gets ramped up as the Texans 2020 roster starts to take some shape. Wherever you downloaded from, wherever you listened from, thanks again for listening and we are Texans. <laughs>